0: Got questions? The Bible has answers. We'll help you find them. Welcome to the God Questions podcast with Shea Hoodman, President of God Questions Ministries. Welcome to the God Questions podcast. I'm here again with Dr. Timothy Yoder from Dallas Theological Seminary. We're discussing the problem of evil, discussing why does God allow evil. Episode one, please listen to that one first if you haven't already. We discuss it from a more philosophical standpoint. Why did God ultimately allow evil and why does he continue to? What is his purpose in it? Today, I want to discuss it a little bit more from a, a practical and personal perspective. We've all had bad things happen to us. We've all experienced evil and suffering in this world. I mean, how do we respond to that? And also, how do we respond to others who are experiencing evil? Because often in that situation, you can explain philosophy to, you, to them all you want that's really not what they're looking for at that time. So, Doctor Yarder, welcome back to the show.
1: Thanks, Shay. It's great to be with you. This is uh, this is a lot of fun, and I, I, I'm grateful for the opportunity to to share some thoughts.
0: So, what in your experience is the difference between um, answering the question from from a philosophical perspective versus a personal or practical perspective?
1: It's a really important question and a significant distinction that we need to make as people as people trying to. Love the people around us and uh, and be good, responsible uh, ministers. Uh, I mean that in the broadest sense of that term. So let me explain the, with a little story. Imagine that uh, maybe in your church or in your family or, or in your neighborhood, uh, something something terrible happens. You know, there's been a, a bit of car accident. Maybe there was a, a drunk driver, and um, and there's a family that was that was the innocent party that was it was hit and some people are injured and others have died and it's an awful situation and and you know you know your heart just breaks and so you know and and this is these this family is their friends or their relatives they're they're their neighbors and so you go to to be with them and you you cry together and you you offer to help in practical ways you know can i make you a meal can i Call the insurance company, you know, what What can I do to help in practical ways to show love? Sometimes it's just to be there, to sit, to cry, to uh, to, to mourn together, you know, a, a, a thoughtful note or, or a hug, a, a shoulder to cry on, those sorts of things. I, I think it's in our capacity as Christians to do these kinds of things. The Holy Spirit helps us to grieve with those who grieve and to mourn with those who mourn and to just be there in in, in meaningful ways it's not the time to have a conversation about the free will defense right they just they, they need someone to to love them and to uh, to help them but now let's fast forward a year two three down the road right and so the this family they lost some people and you know and and some people were injured and it was a terrible moment but life as it does it goes on and I, I won't say that they are completely you know over that situation I don't know that you can ever completely get over something like that but the emotions are clearly not as raw as they once were and uh you know they've had time to process and and move on and now let's say that let's say that there's a person that's a friend of yours and you know the the uh, the wife in this family is a friend and and she says you know what I just I have these deep questions I think that God doesn't doesn't love me or god uh doesn't, you know, where God is angry with me, or God is punishing me for something, and I can't get these out of my mind. You know, at that point, she doesn't need another, you know, another casserole, or another tasteful greeting card, or another hug, or something. No, she needs some some answers. And now's the time to talk more deeply about some of these sorts of things. And so I think that we need to to separate the the shoulder to cry on from the you know the intellectual and even in that second category though there's 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 we can make a distinction right there's the the day-to-day life of of how do we deal with suffering in our lives and and then more ultimate answers of of theodicy how can we defend god's righteousness we talked about those ultimate questions in the in the first part and so i want to talk about more of these practical sorts of things in this in this part what do we do when we go through suffering in our lives? What does it What does it mean? How do we How do we handle that? I think that there's one thing that we should not do, and that is we should not assume that when we go through difficulties in our lives, that that is a punishment. So we could talk, if you like, we could talk about the about the this notion, this what I call the punishment theodicy, and why I think it's it's a, an incomplete or an erroneous notion uh, for the explanation of evil in the world.
0: No, that's great. I I think part the clearest example of that that I can remember is several years ago when there was the huge earthquake down in Haiti. And you know, Haiti is famous for voodoo and all sorts of evil pagan religious practices, I mean, horrible things that takes place religiously in that culture. And several prominent um, Christian teachers said, well, the earthquake that caused all this death and destruction in Haiti was God's judgment on Haiti for um, their evil religious practices. And uh, there are examples in the Old Testament of God punishing people for evil religious practice, but at the same time, what about Hurricane Katrina in New Orleans? What about the tsunami that destroyed um, islands in Asia? What, trying to point to every specific example of a natural disaster and say, this is a result of this particular evil, that's a step too far. Ultimately, only God knows, is that just a result of sin and its effect on the earth? I'd, all of creation groans to be redeemed from even its suffering. Is that is a result of that, or is it a specific judgment from God? That's not our place. So yeah, so talk to us a little bit about the punishment theodicy and how that's not a tool we should take out of our toolbox very often.
1: Good. Good. I think yes. I think we need to talk about this. It really it really surfaces in the book of Job. Uh, in the story of Job, of course, um, it's a classic place to turn to in the problem of evil. Um, Job is a, is a God follower. It says in the beginning of Job that Job is a righteous man who shuns evil, who loves God. And, and it says it a number of times in the first couple of chapters that, that Job is a mature follower of Yahweh. It doesn't mean that he is sinless, that he never committed any sin. There's only one person that was completely sinless, and that was Jesus. But uh, but Job is a mature follower of Yahweh a, a righteous man and then all these bad things happen and we know from reading the text that, that that is the result of of an agreement of a of a kind of a you could almost say a kind of a dare right satan comes and dares god to you know i dare you to do this and and so you know yahweh agrees and um it's a test but when job's counselors come they say overwhelmingly in long series of speeches throughout the most of the book of Job that they say one thing. They say Job, you must have sinned. You must have done something awful. Did you kill somebody? Did you did you rape somebody? Did you steal from somebody? They don't they don't say it directly like that, but but they they infer that Job must have sinned. That the only reason that he is suffering is that he sinned. And Job says. Look, um, I don't have, a, I don't have a terrible skeleton in the closet. I, I don't have um, some, some awful sin. And he says, I, I, I'm innocent of these sorts of things, and he's right, right. That's what this—that's what it tells us at the beginning of the book that he was a righteous man. And so 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 those middle chapters of Job are some of the most difficult parts of scripture to read because they're so they're so futile and they and the the counselors his friends keep repeating this this mistaken notion over and over and over again this that's what I call the punishment theodicy and it's this idea that all suffering in the world is a direct punishment for a specific sin that i think is a, is a wrong idea But it's very easy for us as Shay, as you said, right, people looked at the earthquake in Haiti or other sorts of things, and they just assume that if something bad happens, oh, God is punishing me. Again, I remember remember when I was younger, you know, getting a flat tire and, oh, I must not be reading my Bible enough or otherwise I wouldn't have got this flat tire or, you know, or this happened. And, And it's a natural sort of thing that we assume that if something bad happens, God is punishing us. If we read the scriptures carefully, we see that 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 is not how God necessarily works. God does punish, right? We we you know we've all you know Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, you know and, and even uh, the the flood and and others. I mean, there's a story in which the the ground opens up and some rebellious people are swallowed up in a you know earth. So God does punish, but if we assume that every time that God uh, acts in the world, it's a punishment. We're mistaking what God does. I think that God acts in three ways that, that look, can look similar from our perspective because they all result in suffering. Sometimes God tests, right? Like, like Job, it was a test. Uh, like Abraham, when he was asked to sacrifice Isaac, um, it's a test. Sometimes God disciplines Discipline is is not punishment. Discipline is when some bad consequences accrue to somebody because of their sin, but God uses those as a way for them to grow. Think about the people that sinned in the Bible, David and Peter. So psalm fifty-one, right, is a psalm of, of of David's contrition and repentance because of his sin with Bathsheba. Now, David suffered consequences, and and you know, and his his children rebelled, and, and in this case, one of his the ba- the baby that resulted from the affair died. But God didn't cut David off, but God lovingly restored him. It was an opportunity for David to to grow. Uh, the same with Peter. Peter is even a better example because in the New Testament, right? Peter denied Jesus, and they had that very uncomfortable conversation at the end of the Gospel of John, you know, in which Jesus says, "Do you love me? Yes. Feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yes, yes, yes." You know, it, and uh, and that was hard, but that was part of the process of of helping Peter to restore and, and to grow. And when we see Peter in the beginning of the Book of Acts, he is a changed man. He is. He has grown incredibly, and it it was because of the discipline. So God tests, God disciplines, and then God punishes. And in this situation, I want to use the word punish for the kind of final sort of retributive punishment in which um, God says to somebody, "Well, okay, you can you continue in your sin. You can continue in your rebellion. You are cut off from me, and I'm." Consigned you to eternal hell, damnation. Right? That's what I mean by punish. And so, God does God do that? Yes, I believe He does. Right. But every time something bad happens in our life, it's not a punishment. Sometimes it's a discipline, and sometimes it's a test, and sometimes it isn't even about us. There's a great story in John chapter nine um, in which. You know, the disciples are with Jesus, and they're walking along, and they see a a man that has been born um, blind. And they ask Jesus, and they say, Master, tell us, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And we can see that they have the punishment theodicy in mind. They believe that the sin, or that this difficulty, this handicap, this blindness, is either because he sinned or his parents. It's a judgment. Whose sin is it? And Jesus gives a fascinating answer. He says, neither. This was done so that the, 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 the God would be glorified, and Jesus heals the man, teaches a lesson. It wasn't a punishment at all. It wasn't even a discipline. At the most, it was a kind of a test. Or maybe it was just an example of the fallenness of the world, and that affects people, right? We are affected by the fallenness of the world. In the story that I told earlier, you know, the, the family that was hit by a drunk driver, they weren't doing anything wrong, driving their car maybe they were going to church maybe they were going to school maybe they're going shopping right and they were they were impacted by the sin of the drunk driver and so the the evil that they experienced wasn't really because of anything that they did it's just the fact that we live in a fallen world and um and but god as we talked about uh, in the first um podcast god works through the evil god can bring good out of it even though The evil experiences are truly difficult, and and suffering is real, but God is still sovereign over all of them and can bring good things about.
0: Absolutely, something that I've noticed a lot—I think it's related fairly closely to this punishment theodicy—is in the word faith movement. Often, if someone gets sick or um, they come for healing and don't experience it, well, the answer is, well, you just don't have enough faith. So, in a sense, they they're viewing sickness as a, in a sense, a punishment from God from not having enough faith, or the lack of healing as punishment from not having enough faith. And I think the examples that you'd mentioned with Job being the most righteous man on on the earth at that time, Peter, people who definitely had faith that God, Apostle Paul asked multiple times, please take this right. thorn from me. And God said, no, my, my strength is made perfected in weakness. So seeing that No, I mean, not every bad thing that happens to us, not all suffering, is a punishment from God. It's not a lack of faith, although sometimes it's designed to increase our faith. That doesn't mean God was punishing us for a lack in the very beginning. So every time I study the book of Job and I hit the verse where Job calls his friends some miserable comforters, I'm reminded of the saying, not in the Bible, but um, pretty well known, that with friends like these who needs enemies... Right. Um, And then looking at examples of how I've attempted to counsel or encourage someone who's suffering and how do I avoid being a miserable comforter and I've observe people jumping straight to Romans 8.28. Anytime someone has something bad happens where it says, um, God works all things together for good to those who love God, to those who've been called according to his purpose. And that verse is absolutely true. But then there the Ephesians 4.15, which encourages us to be, speak the truth in love. Mm-hmm. And that's a difficult balance on this because someone who's wired kind of like me, and I suspect you, our first reaction is probably to go to the more, well, let me explain to you why God allows evil and so forth. But the loving thing to do at that time, as you talked about earlier, is to comfort them, to mm-hmm. weep with them. So how do we kind of in conclusion here, tying the two episodes together, how do we know when is the right time to give a more philosophical theological answer versus giving the personal practical loving compassionate response when evil happens to someone
1: yeah it's a really good question and um, and I think this is this is the, the answer that I would give when the when the emotions are when the emotions are raw right when people are are in pain when the the tears are flowing um that's the chance when we need the, the more kind of pastoral, the you know, counseling sort of, of approach. And we don't have to be a capital P pastor or a capital C counselor to do those. We all, we all can sit with those that are in difficulty and, and uh, provide for their, their physical needs or just, just to be there, to, to, uh, to, to cry with them, to weep with them, to mourn with them. When the emotions are raw, Right, but but when they have questions, you know, and and when they when they say, well, what does this all mean, or what is God trying to tell me, or how does this work? That's when they're looking for some answers. And the Holy Spirit, you know, we, I believe the Holy Spirit helps us and provides us discernment in, in helping to make these these distinctions and to uh, work in this way. C.S. Lewis has a has a great quote uh, from from uh, his books. It's in the Problem of Pain. He says, "God frequently whispers in our pleasures." But he shouts in our pain. Uh, suffering is God's megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And God uses the difficulties to get our attention. That doesn't mean that every time we suffer we're being punished. But God uses the difficulties to get our attention. And I think it's really helpful for a really good spiritual principle is to not to say that that all evil is a punishment, but instead to say that when we experience difficulties in life it's a great opportunity to kind of take our our spiritual temperature you know how are we doing is god trying to tell me something is there something that i'm that i'm missing right when you're going through a difficult time pray read your bible talk to close friends um you know think about what's going on and try to try to discern what god might be speaking because maybe god is testing you and there's a lesson he wants you to learn. Maybe God is disciplining you. Maybe there is um maybe that you maybe you're going through some difficulties that are, that are the result of your sin and you need to grow and, and learn from that. The final punishment, right, is is not really God is not going to punish us in the sense of damnation for those the, for those of us that are Christians. But we may have to make some changes maybe there's maybe there's things that we need to do and maybe sometimes it's just not even about us at all maybe sometimes we are living in a fallen world and things are happening that cause us difficulty and it's due to the to the sins and the mistakes of others it's not hard to think of examples of you know in a family situation where you know one family member is in great rebellion against god and it causes pain for everybody else who may not be in rebellion but it's still a difficult circumstance so that's what I, I think that's how I would try to answer your question, Shay.
0: That's very good. Very helpful. And thank you for your, your insight, your wisdom on knowing the difference. And it, it's going to be distinct in every situation, depending on our relationship with the person, depending on what sort of question they ask us. But often um, our first reaction to someone who is suffering, who've experienced evil in their lives, is to weep with those who weep, to mourn with those who mourn. And then as you said when it seems like they're ready and when they are asking the more philosophical or theological questions that's when we can come to them with some of these answers explanations theodicies for why god allows evil and, and it's important to know the difference know the right timing with those but as you said so we can trust the holy spirit that he will give us the words to say it, when the time is right um, so thank you for that encouragement and Thank you for being on the show. I found our conversation very helpful. Hopefully all our listeners are encouraged by our talk today and just being able to trust God, that God has a purpose in using evil, both um, philosophically and personally in our lives. And the existence of evil, the existence of suffering should not cause us to doubt God's love or doubt God's ability to stop evil. Rather, it should remind us that God's ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we're not ever in this life going to perfectly understand why God allows all the things that he does. But all of them are intended to drive us to trust him even more, to grow even closer to him, to learn to depend and rely on him more and more. So again, hope you found our conversation helpful. I'm with um, Dr. Timothy Yoder, Associate Professor of Theological Studies at Dallas Theological Seminary. And this has been the God Questions podcast. Got questions, the Bible has answers, we'll help you find them. Your questions, biblical answers. The Got Questions Podcast. Check us out at
1: podcast.gotquestions.org.